Hey, my name is Lauren Frieder, and my husband Drew and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement. Hey, I- I'm ready to get into my word. It's Team Sunday. Y'all ready? Come on. Uh, y'all need to shout me down with enough of those amens and clapping and all that, too. Don't y'all stop that now. Look at your neighbor and say, get loud. Get loud. All right, cool. If you've got your Bible, open it up to uh, the book of Jeremiah. If you're unfamiliar with where that is, if you split your Bible roughly in half, you'll end up at Psalms or Proverbs. Just go a little bit further than that. You'll see Isaiah, then Jeremiah. Or if you've got a smart uh, device, then use it for the smartest thing you could do. That is to take notes because um, the, the bluntest pencil is longer lasting than the longest memory. So... Come on, how many of y'all thank, thank God for Steve Jobs creating the Notes app on your phone? Come on, where are my iPhone people at? If you're Samsung or Galaxy, I have nothing for you this morning. You might as well. <laughs> All right. This is an equal opportunity. You take notes however you do that. I don't know how you do that. Anyway, you could open your Bible to the book of Jeremiah, um, and, and I want to read some scripture to you this morning and preach a message that I believe is going to touch everybody. I hope you're ready to take some notes. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Let me give you a little bit of context as you go to Jeremiah chapter 38. Here's what's going on in the book of Jeremiah. God's people in the Old Testament have been given a promise. If you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will release my hand of protection over you. I will release um, my favor over you, and you're on your own. See how that world fares. And, and, and God is for us, but we oftentimes, we are the ones who oftentimes walk away from him. And we say, I can do things my own way. Know anyone who's like that? You can point at yourself, right? We frequently are like, I can do it my own. Remember being a kid and your parents told you you couldn't do something and you thought, I, I, know, I know better than you, right? Yet it's so easy to be a... 30-year-old kid, a 50-year-old kid, a 60-year-old kid saying to God, I can take it from here. I know better than you. And, and, and that's what God's people did. And so God's hand of protection left the nation of Israel. And, and they're moving. Just turn me down just a little bit. I hear myself ringing. I, I, I have a little ADD with that, I, I think. It's self-diagnosed. Maybe it's not. Anyway. Um, and he, he says this, that um, God's people have decided to chase their own false gods and do things their own way. And so God's hand has been released and they are heading towards exile. And, and the back half of the Old Testament is God's people figuring it out. We can't do it on our own. Like there's demise ahead of us when we do it on our own. And they are just, they're about to be taken over by the Babylonians. If you remember the Built Different series, Daniel was in Babylon. So maybe that connects a few dots. If not, oh well. Um, I think I kind of set this up, right? So that God's hand of protection is off of them. And there is imminent exile ahead of the Israelites. Jeremiah is a prophet of the Lord, meaning he hears from God and he says things in a way that those people and leaders can understand. I believe God still wants to speak that way. He wants to speak in a language you can understand. And he brings an unpopular message, and that is this. If you don't repent, this ain't going well for any of us. They're like, ah, what do you know, Jeremiah? And so they're on imminent exile. Let's pick up in Jeremiah 38. I hope that's uh, uh, the quickest way to summarize this much of the Bible, all right? (laughs) 
Catching up to Jeremiah 38, imminent exile is happening, and it says in verse 6, picking up in verse 6, so they took Jeremiah and put him into a cistern. First, let me define who's they. They are the haters. <laughs> Actually, um, we, can, we can relate to haters, right? The, the they in our life, but they would have been Israel, uh, Israel patriots. These are ones who are like, if Israel's going down, I'm going down with the ship. We will fight till the very last moment. If Babylon comes, we'll fight. And Jeremiah is like, that's cool if God's with you, but God's no longer with you because you remember you're not with him. So you're going to lose. Like if you fight, you're going to die. I'm just, I'm just being as straight with you as I can. I'm just loving it. And you're like, I don't like that message. <laughs> and they're like, so they threw him into a cistern, a pit. Because what do we do with people who carry messages we don't like or we disagree with? We cancel them. We silence them. We mute them. And we say, shut up. You go down in this pit and no one's ever going to hear from you again. And they throw them into the pit, uh, the cistern of Melchizedek. Uh, they lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. And it had no water in it, only mud. And Jeremiah sank down into the mud. Imagine being lowered by ropes into a pit. That, that, they talk about claustrophobic. Not only that, it's, it's like quicksand at the bottom. And you're going waist deep into the mud. It says, but a bed melech. How many of y'all are thankful for a but? <laughs> That's not the end of the story. Jeremiah is now into a pit. He's in a bad place. But Abed-Melech, somebody say Abed-Melech. A Cushite. What does that mean? That was his nationality. If you look up the Hebrew word for Cushite, which is what this portion of the Bible was written in, it literally means their blackness. Some of your translations will say an Ethiopian. In other words, our God is a God throughout this Bible who uses every race, gender, nationality, shape, and size to do God's work, okay? I just need to help you understand, we're all on one team. Somebody say one team. And a Cushite, an Ethiopian, has, he has, he's an official in the royal palace. He heard that they put Jeremiah into a cistern. And while the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, uh, holding court, Abed-Melech went out to the palace and he said to them, My lord, the king, these men have acted wickedly in all they have done to Jeremiah, the prophet. They have thrown him into a cistern. He's talking to a king who authorized him to be thrown into a cistern. <laughs> hey, king, they threw him into a cistern. The king's probably like, who did that? <laughs> it was him. <laughs> he signed the edict. Uh, and they threw him into a cistern where he will starve to death, where there's no longer any bread in the city. Then the king commanded Abed-Melech the Cushite, take 30 men from here with you and lift Jeremiah. Oh, come on, lift church. Oh, you got to be going with me already, lift church. Take 30 men and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern. Before he dies. Verse 13. They pulled him up with ropes. And they lifted him. Oh I felt the spirit of God. 
up in Lift Church. They, they, they got some ropes, and they pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern this morning. I got just a few minutes to share with you a message on Team Sunday that I'm calling Take 30 and Lift. Tell somebody around you, Take 30 and Lift. Come on. Come on. You know, when my wife and I first met, we talking uh, 04, baby. Remember back in 04? Uh, I was a single man. I was on the prowl, chasing after Jesus, and I was loving me, my Lord. I was a youth leader in, in something like soul youth. Come on, youth leaders, where you at? And I was one of the many youth leaders, and we would kick it a lot of times. We'd hang out a lot of times. And so there were some amazing young men who were youth leaders. There were some amazing young women. It's just none of those women were meant for me. I already knew that. Insert my wife comes along, and I said, hey... What's up, Lauren? I was praising God while she talked about that. That man was not for her. Praise God. Come on. And she comes around our youth ministry with, with the ministry she was serving. I was like, hey, come on, what's up? And we started talking. I convinced her to come back. It didn't take much convincing. Come on. We, we hit we hit off. And I was like, you need to come back to our church when, when your ministry's not doing something. And she said, how about next week? And she came on down, and we were hanging out. And I wanted her to see the popping youth culture we had, the amazing church we had. So I'm kicking it with the youth leaders, knowing there ain't no relationships brewing here. We just all tight and spiritual like that, right? And, 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 and she's like... Like, why are you flirting with the girl youth leaders? I said, flirting? I'm not flirting. We're just all tight. <laughs> you know, and we were kicking, we were laughing, we were goofing off. I thought I was showing off for her. I had a little bit of immaturity in me. I'm still, still working that out. Come on. And, and, and she's like, I'm actually pushing her away and causing her to draw back because she's like, he, I, I, I came, I drove three hours away to be here, and you're going to talk with them? Like, and, and, and you kicking it with them, and we're all laughing, and I'm like, don't you like our jokes? Isn't that funny? You ever got caught up in a moment where you were on an inside joke and everybody else was on the inside, and you thought you were impressing them, but you weren't? That was, that was then. I kept on playing and laughing because I thought I was doing something awesome. Like, don't you like what's going on here? And I didn't realize I was digging a ditch. <laughs> I was digging my own ditch. Even when I tell this story today, I gave it the best biased approach possible to share with you what I was trying to do. And when I tell this story today, she's always like, quit digging. Quit digging because you were flirting. I'm like, I was not flirting. I was trying to impress you. She's like, quit digging. You just dig in a ditch. You ever dug your own ditch? You ever found yourself in a pit before? You ever found yourself at the bottom? We all have ways of digging our own graves, don't we? Getting stuck in isolation down in a hole. Come on. You, you, we've had relationships break up and we found ourselves in a pit. We've lost close family members and found ourselves in a pit before. We've had bad job experiences and found ourselves in a pit before. Can you remember what it feels like to be stuck in a pit? The, the poet uh, Jerry Cantrell with Allison Chains once pinned what we all, all feel. I'm down in a hole, and I, this is a secular band singing a song. I'm down in a hole, and I don't know if I can be saved. 
See my heart I decorate like a grave. You don't understand who they thought I was supposed to be. Look at me now, a man who won't let himself be. And he goes on to the chorus. I'm down in a hole. I'm feeling so small. I'm down in a hole. I'm losing my soul. I'd like to fly, but my wings have been so denied. Some of my product of the 80s. Are like, but my wings. Come on, my Allison Chains fans. You know, come on. That was my LSU jam. That was my college jam. I'm down in a hole. We can relate. Every one of us have had these feelings before. I want to fly. Some of you today might still be stuck in a pit. And every one of us knows somebody who's stuck in a pit. Somebody goes to work with you. Somebody who lives in the same house with you. Somebody who's in the same family as you. And you know they are in a pit. And they are all by themselves. COVID had a way of throwing a lot of Jeremiah's down a cistern. Stuck in isolation. I'm down in a hole. Feeling so small. I'm losing my soul. (laughs) I want to fly, but I don't know how. This morning, I want to talk to you today about getting stuck down in a hole. Jeremiah found himself down a hole, down in a hole, and he was greatly loved by God. We can oftentimes think, I love that Lauren explained, that we can be so in love with God and we can find ourselves in a hole from time to time. People who love God and are down on their luck can find themselves in the bottom of a pit from time to time. Some prophets of God can suffer from this too. This is an equal opportunity uh, attack of the enemy who loves to throw people down cisterns and say, bye-bye, everybody forgot about you now. Your influence is gone. Your power is gone. Your friends are gone. You dead. You might as well die. And we've all been there. Some of you might be there, and we know people who have been there or are currently there today. This story tells me two things about God. Number one, our God is the God who sees. Jeremiah is stuck in a cistern where no one else can find him or see him, and yet God knows about it, and God has a way of getting that information to the people who need to hear it. Abed-Melech heard the message that he had been thrown into a cistern. Our God is the one who sees. He sees what no one else can see he sees you when you're in your darkest places he sees others who are in their darkest places and sometimes he's trying to knock on God's people to help you see what he sees I've been trying to get through to you I've been trying to get through to you she's gonna die he's gonna commit suicide he's in a hole he's gonna quit he he got a medical condition and everybody else rolled out on him could you text him could you call him could you visit him could you cook him a meal could you just show up it's what the church is for not just for a Sunday morning (laughs) I love you Jesus it's for that but it's not just for He lifts, I lift, but, and again, we lift. We got to take that into the streets Monday through Saturday. Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing, say nothing. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything, say everything. Everything is uncovered and laid bare to him. There is nothing our God does not see. There is no hole too deep that he cannot see. That's good news. Number two, it tells me this. Well, I want to finish this. He he sees me when I'm in the muck, and he sees my friends 
when they're in the muck. Number two, our God comes to rescue. Our God doesn't just see and go, hope they figure that one out. Our God will never be accused of, uh, of, of failure to assist. Failure to aid. Come on, you've heard like there's some general rules of thumbs in a lot of cities where if something's going down, someone's choking and you've experienced first aid and you go, hope they get that piece of shrimp out their their throat. I don't think it's going to work. Oh, this is tragic. You know first aid, help the brother out. If they're choking... Our God is not the one who fails to assist. Our God is not the one who witnesses and goes, oops. Don't know how they ended up there. But people ended up in slavery. No, our God's the one. Our God is the one who sends abed Melech to Jeremiah thrown into a cistern. Our God is the one who impresses Judah to, to, to devise another plan to get Joseph, his brother, out of the pit. He said, hey, maybe we could just sell him instead of making him die in the pit that Joseph was thrown into. Our God is the one who sends Moses to God's people who are enslaved in Egypt to get him out of a pit. Our God is the one who sends Ananias to, to, to Saul, when he lost his eyes, he was crippled and he was blind. And our God is the God who sends his very best, Jesus Christ, to you and I who were stuck in a pit. Somebody give him a shout of praise right now. We get lost in life. I got lost in life. Many of you in here know you're lost in life, and he's the one who sends Jesus Christ. And he says, you're not going to sit in that pit alone. I will send a rescue. And Abed-Melech did that. So what does that mean for us? This is really what I want to get into. If our God sees and rescues, if we've learned those two things about him, and if we're following him, then what should we do? If this was a fill-in-the-blank test and I told you, if our God sees and rescues, and I think there are two things that you and I should do, what would you fill in the blanks? I think if we're followers of God, we should probably see and rescue. Let me explain. Number one, we should see. You know, there's a difference between walking in life, scrolling through your social feed, and saying, yeah, I saw that. And there's a difference of going, I saw that. You know what I'm talking about? We're so good at swiping our social feeds, you're like, ah, 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 I saw that. And somebody comes to us with news, did you hear? So and you're like, yeah, I saw that. And there's a difference between someone saying, did you hear? And you go, I saw that. I saw it. Like it stopped me. It caught my attention. Could you imagine a bed malek? Hey, they all threw Jeremiah into the cistern. Now nah, I heard that. Back to work. No, it was a bed malek who went, what? They did what? And, and he saw things differently. He heard things differently. Abed saw what others ignored. Other people turned their heads at the injustices happening. I don't see anything. Not happening in my house, so we're good. I heard there was a prayer request that went out, but we're all good. I, I heard somebody was in need, 
but we're all good. I heard somebody could use a little financial help, but we're all good. I, 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 I don't, I don't want to see that, right? You ever kind of like, I don't want to see it, right? Come on, you pulled up at the red light before, and you went, ah, la, 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 la. They're like, you're going to help that man out? I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody. You know what we struggle with when we see that? Like, well, there's a person in a cistern. And if I help that brother out of the cistern, he's going to find his way back into the cistern. So God wouldn't want me to waste my stuff. Oh, come on, people of God. We got to trust God with the outcome. We're, we're, we're not responsible for the outcome. We just have to be obedient. And I'll just be plain and clear, a little, little transparency. I don't help every time either. But when God says help, I help. Right? Because my heart can get a little bit hardened to... There's another person in the cistern. If I help them out, they'll just buy their way into another cistern. Come on, God, please heal my heart. Touch me. And, and give me a faith of Abed-Melech who's like, I might go before the king. And I'm going to talk to the king about this person down into a cistern. You can't begin to fix what you refuse to see. You can't begin to fix... What you refuse to see, sometimes we like to put blinders on it. I don't see poverty. I, I, I don't see abortion. Or I don't see the effects of someone who had an abortion. And I don't see the need to pray and to connect with somebody and pastor and care with somebody through that process. I, I don't see addiction. Maybe you didn't deal with addiction. That doesn't mean it's not happening all around us. I don't see sex trafficking. I don't see social injustices. I don't see hopelessness because I, I want to see what I want to see. And we can't see what God sees when we only see what we want to see. If Abed-Melech only saw what he wanted to see, uh, then Jeremiah would still be dying in a hole, starving, crying out, I'm down in a hole! I'm losing my soul. I'd like to fly. Okay. You know, people are getting knocked into cisterns and forgotten into isolation. 2020 was a big year of knocking people into cisterns. It, it just, health reasons knock us into cisterns. Emotional reasons knock us into cisterns. Political reasons knock us into cisterns. And, and we get stuck down in pits of isolation. Can I ask you a question? Who did you used to see at Lift Church you don't see anymore? And have you reached out to them? Because they might be in a cistern just looking for someone going, Jeremiah, are you in a pit? I know someone who's got a rope. He's the king of all kings. His name's Jesus Christ. And I'm ready to pick up 30 and lift. You can lift with a text message. Come on. Isaiah 61, I don't even have time for that. Here's what I do know. Isaiah 61 is a prophetic indication of what the Messiah is going to be like. And I remember Jesus showed up one day and they said, read the scriptures to us. And he turns to Isaiah 61 and he says, he says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me. And they were about to go, oh yeah, baby. Come on, this is God's time. The Messiah's here. He's about to bust us out, and he's about to take us into power. What's the spirit of the Lord anointed you to do? Come on. We got a lot of, um, I love the spirit of God, but sometimes we can be so about the spirit of God that it's all about me and what God does for me. And then the dancing I get and the joy I get and the tongues I get. Let me tell you what the dancing, the joy, and the tongues gives you. 
power to anoint you to proclaim good news to yourself. Wait, I'm sorry, it didn't say yourself. Good news to the poor. I bet they're listening going, wait, say what? I thought this was like about a power shift. I thought we were going to have dominion. I thought we were going to have authority. You are for the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Can you hear the, the church applause as he's talking? Okay, okay. Yeah, you know how like the church is rowdy one morning? Oh, that's good, pastor, to heal up the brokenhearted. Okay, I'll give you that one. All right, all right. To, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives. All right, all right. Release from darkness for the prisoners. Starting to get real quiet up in the church. Because I thought this was about us becoming kings. It is. And my heart is always about the poor, the ones down in pits. I wrote this down in my note. He's not talking about power that promotes us to palaces. He's talking about power that lifts people out of pits. I need to say that again because a lot of American Christianity is, how do I improve myself? How do I get better myself? How does Drew get better? That is a ramification of following God. You will become a better you because God knit you together in your mother's womb and he knows you better than you know yourself. So when you draw closer to God, you become a better you. But you have been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. It ain't all about you. To release the prisoners from captivity. It ain't always about you. Self-improvement's a ramification. It's a sideline thing. He's saying, take 30 and lift. Get you 30 men and start lifting people out of pits. Number two, it says, I, I think seeing is not enough. Uh, you ever heard them, um, uh, the, the band can come up. You ever heard th- them old, I'm from the south, so Louisiana knows them, and you probably know them too. You might be a redneck if jokes, right? Come on. Might be a redneck if. I think Jesus had a take on that. His was, you might be a Pharisee if. Because <laughs> he used to drop bombs on people through, maybe through humor, I don't know. Ha <laughs> ha. This is what Jesus said. Don't follow the example of the Pharisees, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious de- demands, and they never lift. <laughs> Ask your neighbor, do you even lift, bro? Come on. They never lift a finger to ease the burden. In other words, Jesus was saying, it's not about a heady religion. It's about a hearty religion. You can get all the intellect. Pastor, I've been reading every single day. When's the last time you served the poor? I don't like doing that. I like studying. I like going going to small groups. I don't like doing that dirty stuff. I like worshiping. I like getting it on on Sunday and praising my God. Great. That's part of it. But don't let it just be about your head. Let it impact your heart too. Because 1 Corinthians 13 says, if you can quote the whole scripture and you know every law under the sun, but yet you do not have love, you're just a claim gone. Just a waste of space is is, is really what it's saying. Jesus said, you might be a Pharisee if you never lift. His word's not mine. His word's not mine. Sometimes I don't want to lift. Can I be transparent? I don't want to volunteer. I don't want to serve. I want to go home and watch ESPN. I want to watch Liverpool beat PSG because I saw a PSG shirt up in this place. <laughs> I want to see the Ravens beat the Steelers. I want to see the Saints beat the Falcons. The Falcons are not of God. 
<laughs> now it's Tampa Bay. Take that man down. Take Tom Brady down. That's for you, Terrence. <laughs> Sometimes I want to just be with my family. I want my space. I want my food. I want it my time. I want my AC temperature. I want my bed. I want, I want my, my kids. I want, I want it my way. I want it. I'm probably not the only one. It's God who has to remind me, do you even lift? Have you shared the greatest lift in life, Jesus Christ, with anybody this week? You're right. I got to lean into this. I got to lean into this. And you and I have got to lean into this. This is where, number two, if we got to not only see, but we got to also rescue. This is where we get to be Team Jesus. Oh, I wonder why we call it Team Sunday. Because all of us, the capital C church, are on one team. Look around. There's a lot of jerseys up in this place. There's a lot of opposing jerseys up in this place. I see a couple sitting right there that oppose one another. Steelers sitting next to Philly. How does that happen? I married them. They're going to make it. They're doing good. Except when they watch the Eagles play the Steelers. (laughs) Sit on different sides of the couch. They're like, you remember the Bible talked about fasting and setting ourselves apart for a Serve. Don't expect to be served, but go out there and serve somebody. Go out there and love somebody. Because when Jesus is lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. All you got to do is give him, a, give him a cold bottled water on a hot summer day. The Bible talks about a man in hell who's like, could you just give me one drop of water? Do it on earth. Give him one drop of water. The Bible says anyone who gives even a drop of water to a kid will receive their reward in heaven, which means when you lift, God sees it. Come on. Repeat after me. Be a bed. Be a bed. Tell three people, be a bed. Write it in the chat. Be a bed. Be a bed, Malek. He was a man of courage and action. His name means servant of the king. He rallied 30 men and he said, Jeremiah's in a pit. Let's get 30 and let's go lift him out of here. And this week, if you're like, how do I do this, Pastor Drew? I, I'm ready to serve. Then here's how you do it. Let's give you a really practical example. On this coming Saturday, we have what we do once a year, and we're trying to do it once a quarter, and then we hope to get there once a month. But we do this big day called Serve Day. Do you know we have nine different projects happening this coming Saturday, and it needs you to be a part of it. Here's how you could do it. You could go to, you could go to liftsby.com. I'm sorry, liftsby.serveday.com, or you can get your, your smartphone app and search for the Serve app. Just type Serve in your app store. Even Samsungs and Galaxies will work on this, right? Come on. Type Serve and download the app, and then sign in to Lift Church when you open it up. There you'll see nine different projects at different times on Saturday throughout our city. Some are going out to serve widows. Some are going to clean up Salisbury in different places. Some are, uh, our kids are building activity kits, activity kits for kids who go into title health, for, who have been in, uh, admitted or, or have something going on. Come on, go ahead and lift somebody who's in a pit. Some are just bringing ice cream in a park, baby. How much fun is that? Just give somebody ice cream to put a smile on someone's face. 
with a little card that says, God loves you, and so do we. Come on. Can you lift somebody out of a cistern this week? Can you join with 30 others and just lift one person out of a pit this week? It's a really easy way to do it. Our church is always lifting, but this one is really big. I hope before you leave today, you'll sign up and get one of the cool shirts that say, Lift City, because that's what we're going to be about. We're going to be about a church that's lifting up a city. Can I get an amen? Let me finish. Let me finish. Here's what the Bible says. One hope I want to leave you with as we team up and we go this week. Jeremiah, the very next chapter says about Abed-Melech, you would think he just goes away. And this is what God says. He says, say to Abed-Melech, the Ethiopian, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, I will do to this city everything that I threatened. I will send disaster, not prosperity. You will see its destruction. But, how many of y'all are thankful for a but? But I will rescue you. I will rescue you, Jeremiah, from those you fear so much. Why? Because you trusted me. I will give your life as a, I will give you your life as a reward. I will rescue you and keep you safe. I wrote this down. I will rescue you because you trusted me. That's what God was saying. So when we we leave the results up to God. We just be obedient to God. And, and I don't know if Jeremiah ends up in another cistern or not. He just told me to get him out of this cistern. Come on. And so I'm just going to obey God. And God says, I got your back. Uh, there might be hell breaking out all around you, but I got your back. There might be my hand released all around you, but my hand has not been released over you. Why? Because you're releasing good news to the poor. You're binding up the brokenhearted. You're restoring hope and life. We might not always understand, but we can trust. I want to pray for you this morning. Come on. If you would bow your heads. If you in here know you've been stuck, I want to specifically say this. If you know you've been stuck in your own selfishness, it happens to every single one of us. And here's the, here's the lie that I hear the enemy trying to tell you right now. You're the only one. You couldn't admit that. Here's what's funny. Everyone deals with selfishness. And we get stuck all about me, mine, and ours. And if you know that right now the Spirit of God is moving on your heart right now, and you want to declare today, I'm breaking out of my own selfishness. Come on, I just want to pray for you, wherever you're at. Just real quickly, throw your hand up all throughout the room. I just want to know who's with me. Who's with me? Who am I praying for? Put it up and put it down. Put it up and put it down. So many hands. Hands, come on, even online. You say, gosh, God's talking to me. And you know what? I'm so full of myself sometimes. And I'm breaking out. I'm declaring I'm breaking out. Come on, let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every single person who has declared, I'm breaking out, Father. Admitting it and stepping up and, and declaring it is the first step. I pray the Spirit of God rush into every single one of us that breaks every chain, even the chain of pride, the chain of self-centeredness, Father. We want to live our lives for you. We want to lift others for you. And sometimes we need you to get us off the couch. Sometimes we need you to get our grip off of our own money and our tight grip. Sometimes we need you to get your our grip off of our schedule saying there ain't no time there ain't no there's no resources for that father i pray that you help us use our families help us use our cars help us use our houses help us use our our jobs help us use our time to lift for your name 
You died for a whole world to be saved. Father, help me be a lift to someone else this week. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed still, one last question. Some of you in here are probably wrestling with the fact that I am not right with God. If I, if I had to appear before God today, I would be ashamed of the conversation we would have to have. You said he, nothing is hidden from him. Are you sure? Because I don't like some of the things he'll see in me and my past. If you're in this place and you got shame or guilt, I want to tell you Jesus came on this earth to take that shame and guilt away. The Bible says that every sin and trans, uh, transgression was cast upon him and he paid the price for your sin so that you can be freed and released. And you can't work hard enough for it. You can't pray hard enough for it. You can't attend church enough times for it. All you can do is by faith.